Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cloud Wars Live, where we explore today's digital revolution by speaking with business executives, thought leaders, and other giants of the digital marketing, digital innovation, digital business, and digital lifestyle revolution that's sweeping the world. And all of those themes are particularly top of mind, front of mind for today's guest, Chris Lockhead. He's a serial entrepreneur. He's an advisor to startups. He's an author. He is a podcast superstar. He's a former CMO, and he is just an all-around terrific guy with lots of ideas from his perspective about differentiation. Among Chris's books have been Niche Down and Play Bigger. So Chris is on today. He's got some interesting stuff, as always, to talk about. Chris, welcome. Great to see you. I hope you're doing well. Great to see you. Thank you, brother. Thank you for having me back. Chris has become one of the world's top podcasters, not just in technology or business or marketing, but overall. I think, uh, Chris, right, you're up. Is it, uh, did I see you, you surpassed uh, the Oprah? Yeah, look, sometimes the world sort of loses grasp of sanity and then this thing happens. So yeah, the, I woke up about a month and a half ago and I had a, a note on Facebook from um, Kevin Miller, who's the host of the Zig Ziglar podcast, which is one of the top business podcasts in the world. And he says, hey, dude, you have the number 53 podcast in America. And I said, what? <laughs> and there's this website called chartable.com that charts this stuff. And of course, you can see some of it on iTunes, but iTunes doesn't give you anywhere in your, or now Apple Podcasts doesn't give you anywhere near sort of the depth of information. So Chartable is the one everybody uses. I didn't have a Chartable account on this day. Look, this is just not something that I have paid much attention to. Anyway, long story, way longer. Um, my podcast is massively tipped. and We hit as high as 23 overall. We've been in the top 200 for about a couple months now. On the overall chart. And I think it was three for wow. sure, and it might have been four days where we outcharted Oprah there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was all in your business plan, right? Uh, of course. That's, I'm, see, I'm such a marketing genius. I just figured out how to do that. Um, <laughs> no, and actually, there is a funny lesson in it, I think, certainly for me and, and maybe for you and others, which is um, I got told by more experts than you can count that my podcast was never going to work. Sure. It, sure. I swore too much. It was too long. I was a bad interviewer. I interrupt my guests. Um, I'm annoying. I'm bald. Definitely the swearing. Oh, and like this no editing thing is never going to work. You have to get to the value bombs. You have to cut out the fat. Oh, and it's way too long. The average commute is 22 minutes. And so it's got to be 21 minutes and on and on and on, like a million and really smart, <laughs> successful people. And you know what I did with all that advice? <laughs> Let me guess. <laughs> yeah. I showed them the middle finger. That's it. Who's number one? Chris, it's funny, you know, uh, we reinvent things constantly. And uh, I think some people feel that they get this idea of something that has worked and that their world moves along and changes, but everybody else lives in a, uh, a fixed state reality that they, they don't perceive that the world around them is changing as well. So 
I don't know why, but this, this lock in on things that have worked in the past with the assumption that therefore they'll work in the future. And also, um, you know, somebody whose podcast is called follow your different. Maybe there's a clue in there. Maybe there's a clue in there that you just might not do the same old, same old. You think like, isn't it, isn't it like spectacularly, ironically tasty, right? <laughs> that a guy it's, whose whole thing is like, it's okay to be different. And that's actually the thing that makes you awesome. It, like that's my whole thing. Right. Yeah. And so I have a thing that is totally different that everybody said would fail. And we outcharted <laughs> Oprah at least for a, a day or two or three. Right. And so look, I, 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 I hate to be childish, but I am. There's just a big neener nonner in the whole thing that uh, I can't help but love. Um, but, you know, on a more serious basis, um, it's a mind-blowing thing. It really is a mind-blowing thing. And it's a little, to be totally candid, it's a little overwhelming. Um, uh, but it's, it's very, very cool. But I, it's, it's, it's way beyond anything I could have possibly imagined. Chris, that's fantastic. I think some people who know you might not be surprised that uh, that it's done as quite as well as it has. But before, I know you got some really interesting things you wanted to chat about today involving AI and the whole field of marketing and business and so on like that. But first, I just wanted to mention in the context of this uh, is not quite three years ago, but when I decided to leave Oracle, start my own company, I wrote a pretty extensive business plan. And I had ideas, these would be the services offered, this is the value, here's how to communicate that. Well, it turned out, you know, none of that really applied, right? It, it, was, it was a plan to get my brain thinking. It was like, you know, do some exercise, get in shape, be ready. And then you go out and the real world is going to tell me what it could use. And then you adapt and, you know, follow the things that happen. So, uh, I, again, I'm not trying to knock these people that gave you the good advice, but sometimes we have to sit back a little bit and ask, what does the expertise we gleaned in the past what is the value of that as we go into a wildly different and constantly changing future yeah I, I think that's right and i think part of what it certainly speaks to me and, and maybe to others but is um sort of stick to your guns stick to your vision like if you maybe vision's a too highfalutin word but if you're called to do something, if you're possessed by an idea and you believe in something for one reason or another, and, 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 and you're sort of, it's the difference between being, uh, it's the difference between motivating yourself and being motivated, right? It may sound corny, but it's almost like being called. Like another example yeah. for me would be surfing. I learned to surf late in life. And the truth is I didn't choose surfing surfing chose me and i tried to quit a thousand times i hated surfing i wanted to punch surfing in the face uh, surfing was not my friend surfing was my humiliator of all humiliators it took me five years to suck like but i sort of had no choice and so i guess my point is you know some of us get really drawn to something really fired up about doing something and sometimes in the face of no evidence and sometimes in the face of evidence quote unquote air quotes evidence uh that suggests that what you're doing is completely and totally moronic especially when many many experts explain it to you as such <laughs> yeah <laughs> and sometimes what there is to do is not listen to any of that 
Call her you're different. Yeah. Call her you're different. So Chris, you had, uh, you shared some notes about uh, the whole onrush of AI into the worlds of marketing and various types of things. So what do you think? What's on your mind there? And what does this mean? Oh, sage one. Okay. So, so a couple of big threads that have been swirling around. Um, the first one, I think I have a sense of the second one I need, I need a lot of help with. But so the first one is AI and marketing. And I think there's two things that have happened that are um, canaries in a coal mine. And I'm not a thousand percent sure what they mean, but um, they're fascinating to think about. The first one is Nike. So Nike announced recently, there's a story in TechCrunch, um, you can put in the show notes if, if you like. They acquired a company called Select. Uh, I think is how you pronounce it, C-E-L-E-C-T. I guess that's how you'd pronounce it. Now, okay, great, that Nike acquires companies all the time. This is a big data science AI type thing started by a couple of MIT professors. Uh, okay, so what does this company do? I'm reading to you from the Nike press release. A Celec, founded in 2013, holds a cutting-edge intellectual property portfolio across data science and software engineering, cloud-based analytics, blah, blah, yada, yada. And um, what this company does is um, provide hyper-focused data science research on consumer behavior. And the reason they bought this thing is so they could, uh, quote, this is how we serve consumers more personally at scale. Okay, so if you read this, here's what I think they bought. I think this company Nike just bought is the Cambridge Analytica of consumer analytics. And here's the mind blower. Okay, so we knew that was going on, although it's always terrifying to hear about it. <laughs> uh, but here's the fascinating thing. Nike did not enter into an enterprise uh, license with Select. They bought the fucking company, which means that having deep uh, consumer insight, analytical, potentially behavioral modeling, because they're saying consumer behavior. So I, well, I don't know what that means, right? We all know that everything we do digitally gets tracked. We know that, right? And there's a lot of sophistication around this today. So they bought one of these companies and they didn't license the technology, they bought it, which means A, Nike understands that it is a digital business. This is not, oh, we, do, we hired some guys to do some analytics and we'll use some of the insights and what, no, 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 no. This is, hey, who we are is a digital business and having a core competency in consumer analytics, behavioral analytics, whatever you want to call it, is seminal to our success going forward. That's what they're saying when they do this, okay? In my opinion, this is my interpretation. The other thing I think they're saying when they do this, Bob, is, oh, by the way, and Adidas can't have this. Mm -hmm. So the last time you and I were together, we talked about uh, the Putin quote about AI, right? So if, if Putin's perspective is right, which is the, the country that wins the AI battle is, is the dominant country on planet Earth. I forget exactly the quote, but I'm paraphrasing, right? You remember. Yeah. Um, then... Does that mean Nike thinks that statement is true in the consumer products, consumer goods 
soft goods, athletic apparel world. So that's a fascinating aha. And I think it's worthy of our consideration because those of us who are in positions of business and technology and marketing leadership, I think this is a wake-up call that says, wait a minute, one of the most progressive, innovative companies, entrepreneurial companies in the history of the world just did this. And we're going to talk about them more later when we get to esports. Um, so it, it's, I think it's telling us something about the core competency. I think what this is putting a fine point on is every business is a data first, is a digital first business, right? Data is the asset of all assets. And uh, data that helps you understand and predict consumer behavior and buying is an unfair competitive advantage. And so I, I think this is what this is telling us. What I do know is it's telling us we better be thinking hard about this, I think, in our businesses. Yeah, Chris, you know, uh, it's interesting after, you know, our chat a few weeks ago about that, when you mentioned some of those points that Tom Siebel describes in his book about the need for uh, executives at any, with any specialty in the company to really, really get this, not to be able to sit in and toss out a couple buzzwords, but to understand the impact of this technology today, where it's headed tomorrow, what it means for all phases of their business. Um, I saw it wasn't in uh, the sales, the Salesforce's quarterly earnings they released yesterday, which were extraordinary. But three months ago, Mark Benioff said on the earnings call that he said he sees CEOs today, a number of CEOs today are as insightful as CIOs or chief digital officers were just a couple of years ago. And he said he sees this coming across the C-suite. So um, I think to your point here, what Nike has done is probably, and no doubt one of the reasons you brought it up, this is the beginning of a move by lots of different companies here. So we hear over and over endlessly, every company is a software company, every company is a digital company. Well, they just said, okay, let's not talk about that. Let's do it. Let's be in there, grab it. And uh, core competency, Chris, it's even um, more than that, right? If they, you know, you start doing this sort of thing. This is where you go beyond competition into, you know, predatory type of stuff. I'm going to find my competitor's source of food, oxygen, where they sleep. Yeah. And take them out. I'm going to take them out and I'm going to look at, I'm going to find that magic sweet spot between what I think consumer interest and demand is going to be around and where they're weak and triangulate on that and hit them there. It's like, you know, I'm a fight fan and, and we recently had the heavyweight championship of the world in the UFC, uh, two incredible hall of fame fighters, Daniel Cormier and Stipe Miocic. And uh, DC is winning the fight in the first round and he's winning the fight for much of the fight. And then all of a sudden uh, uh, Stipe gets some coaching from his corner and they realize he's leaving, um, he's, essentially he's leaving his liver over as he leans forward on his punches and his forward progression moves. And so Stipe starts giving him punches oh. right to the liver. And after about the fifth or sixth one, DC can't move the right way anymore. And, you know, Stipe ends up beating him, right? So that magic spot of where's the button that's going to be a tipping point in the market category that, core, that coincides or, or, or overlaps, if you will, with a competitive weakness or competitive strength for you that's very hard for them to replicate in one way or another. If you find that spot, that's like hitting somebody in the liver in a fight. Yeah, 
Yeah. My limit on liver punches is four. I, somebody gets, I can take four, but when the fifth one comes, I'm, well, I mean, you saw evidence of it in that, that, that bout, right? There's only so many, even the greatest can take. Chris, wild, you know, wild stuff. And I think that, uh, you know, a while ago when I got the Cloud Wars thing started, just some people said, ah, you know, Cloud's not that interesting. It's never really going to catch on or, you know, you're going to be behind when AI comes up and all that. So I, I don't, don't think I had any illusions. This is going to be a 50-year uh, run with a name like that. But the, the thing that goes beyond that is, Right, so this is an incredible thing with AI, data science, analytics, all of those things. We talked a little bit about um, Microsoft invested a billion dollars recently in the company OpenAI, and the yeah. CEO of OpenAI says this is going to be the most AGI will be the most important technology the world's ever known. And remember that other thing where they put it in the press release, which was approved by Microsoft. You know, not a silly company that uh, they said AGI will allow us to change the trajectory of humanity well, not the trajectory that's of a little over over the top marketing but you know yeah. what here's the interesting thing about that it would be easy to be cynical and go oh, that's bullshit yeah. marketing okay I, I get it but when you look back on history i remember when john Doerr, who was the head of kleiner perkins in the 90s and kleiner perkins was um you know probably if not the, certainly one of the top three, no question, most prominent venture firms in history. And at one point, Door was so, had such a big profile having invested in Netscape and Amazon and Google. And I mean, the guy was uh, considered one of the top guys in, in the tech industry. And they were even considered, remember when they were talking about him and for political office when it was going to be Door and Door? But anyway, I mean, the guy is a big damn deal guy. So in the heat of the internet boom, Door says, I think the internet is underhyped. And you know what? He was right. He was right. Because the internet gets us to the cloud, gets us to mobile, gets us to, like, it's a big, it's not everything, of course, but it opens the door to a, like, the, the level of mass innovation we have now is, is a mind blower, right? Like, unlike anything we've ever seen in our lifetimes or in humanity and so so he was right and so you know what are they being verbose maybe but are they wrong yeah yeah now, I, chris that's why i want to bring it up because i think we're seeing things today that you know at first blush your point about what the hell is nike doing buying this uh, you know data science company uh what does this guy from OpenAI mean about changing the arc of humanity then on a somewhat more tangible basis, you recently, um, Neil Bushry, the co-founder and CEO at Workday, he said, uh, you know, one of the things we're finding with the cloud these days is, he said there was a, a market sizing for HCM software. And he said that that market sizing in the traditional on-premises world held for a long time and it was accurate. He said, people have tried to carry that over into the cloud and it's totally different because the cloud, he said, has doubled the, the total adjustable market for HCM software. And I don't think HCM software is exclusive in that, right? What is Nike trying to do is just open the market up bigger, bigger. And if you talk about the chicken chick, she never could have had that business without the internet, without the connections, the expansiveness, the global reach, and the opportunity here for people to have these personal connections. So 
um, I, I, what I'm taking a little bit from your point here is it's one thing to, you know, mouth the bromide that every company is a software company, but business leaders better pretty quickly say, what are we going to do about it? How do we get into this deeply, not just on a chit chat level? Yeah, no, the digital business is the business. That's what's happened. It, it, there's a theme here emerging, but yes. So the other one I wanted to just underscore is this um, mind-blowing thing that Chase just did. Uh, and let me make sure I get the uh, specifics right. But the net of it is they, uh, Chase Bank, entered into a five-year deal with an AI company called Persado, P-E-R-S-A-D-O, uh, to help create marketing language across platforms. So here's what they're saying they did. They did a multi-year uh, study and they measured the effectiveness of uh, copywriting and marketing and advertising by human beings and by machines. And over a period of time, they studied this. This is Chase Bank, right? They're not, you know, they're not like knee-jerk idiots, right? I'm assuming, right? <laughs> and so uh, the net of it is these folks at Chase found that the AI generated copy for advertising and marketing was meaningfully outperforming um, the human beings. And so they went into a multi-year agreement with this um, AI company. And so what does this mean? I, I think what this means is number one, those of us in marketing, we gotta be looking at how this technology applies all throughout what we do. And in this case, there's nothing more core to marketing than advertising, copywriting, uh, et cetera, right? I mean, it's, it sits at the core, the, the written communication of what we want the world to understand either about our category or our products or who, whatever it is, right? Um, so that's pointing, I think we have to be experimenting with this. And I think, we, I think Chase is showing, hey, listen, some of these big companies are gonna be very forward on their skis on this stuff. That's point A. Point B is the obvious one, I think, which is some of us who consider themselves more strategic and creative, let's say, like nobody in this conversation could have easily thought, well, you know, sucks to be a truck driver, but you know, the, the more cerebral, creative, strategic jobs are never going to be taken over by the machines. Uh, oh, yeah? Uh, maybe, you know, the next David Ogilvie is an iPhone. I, I don't know what the fuck, right? Uh, but I don't know what to do with that because David Ogilvie is one of my heroes and he taught me all that stuff. And now you're telling me that just like the, the machine beats the best, um, <laughs> beat, beats the best um, chess player in the world, the machine beats David Ogilvie in ad copy? Yeah, yeah. What a time. So you probably, you know, a guy like you, Chris, are you building up a lot of moats and barriers, you know, to keep the... AI out of your world? Or are you going to embrace this and bring it in and become the Uber you? No, you know, listen, I, I don't feel threatened by this. I feel excited by this. It definitely means that what I do and look, I think what it, here's what I think this is telling us. What all of us do is going to be changed. And look, history tells us the Luddites always get it wrong. And there are certain things about uh, the way we used to do it that may very well be powerful to hold on to. 
I think there's a certain um, craft that goes into certain things. Uh, you know, for example, you can buy a mass produced by a machine surfboard, or you can buy a hand-shaped surfboard. Guess what I surf, right? Yeah. And so, look, but at the same time, this is the, you know, Doug Howe, my surfboard uh, shaper, who's in his 70s and is one of, he's in the Hall of Fame. Um, he uses CAD to do the design. So even the masters in a lot of fields today who are quote unquote old school, who are the OGs, right? He never did it that way in the past. He's totally computer aided today. As a matter of fact, and as a customer, I appreciate it because A, he gets to build more boards and we need more Doug boards. He does the finesse piece. The machine helps with, you know, a lot of all the other shit. Um, and the other thing is he's got a record of it. So I can call him up and I go, hey, Doug, you know that da -da 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 board you built for me four years ago? He goes, yeah, let me pull that up. I said, can you make me another one? You know, it's getting a little older and I, I, or I really love it. And if it broke, it would break my heart. And he goes, yeah. And he does. And I've done exactly that with him. And so what's my point? I think, if, I think what Doug Hout is telling us is you can be a master craftsman, hall of fame, made by hand, master at something. And yet when you embrace the technology, you can have this magical multiplier. And so I, I think being a Luddite is stupid. And I think we do need to get forward on our skis, even if we do feel threatened. Chris Inching, because that's exactly what producer Bill and I were talking about just before you came on, which was this thing of copywriting. And, you know, how many people say, oh, my God, I got to quit, you know, or it's not fair. I'm going to do this. How many people, others will say, I got to go get in a different line of work. And then who are the ones that are going to be say, I'm a pretty damn good copywriter. And if I get some of this intelligent tools coming in from AI here, the combination, you know, let me do the stuff I do really well. Let me get the help from this tool to do it, like you're saying with you know, Doug, the master surfboard builder. But that's, uh, that's, again, I think one of these challenges of leadership that we're facing today. And even back to some of a little bit what we chatted about at the beginning, who are the people going to be able to see the future as it's becoming rather than, uh, you know, people want to give you advice for what used to work rather than what will work. And, and come back to your John Doerr quote, Chris, about, you know, the internet is underhyped. You know, I think this digital revolution is underhyped, data science underhyped. Maybe there's a little chart we can put down, you know, left-hand side, five things that are overhyped, over-relied on. And on the other side, here are the things you want to go after. Okay, so now you're on my next point. I've had a couple of dots connect. And maybe I'm late to the party. Maybe everybody gets this. It's very possible that I'm the last guy to figure this stuff out. But it's possible, has but I don't. Yeah. What do you got? This has been blowing my mind. Okay, so just a couple of data points because this shit's been swizzling around and part of the dot connecting. So the good folks at IDC Research say that by 2025, which is not that far away, uh, the average person will interact with a connected device almost 5,000 times a day. What, what? 500? No, 5,000 times a day. So I don't even know, like, you know, bam, and then his head exploded, right? So, <laughs> so I don't know what that means. I, I mean, it's got to mean everything we touch 
when you go to the bathroom, the, you know, the toilet is a connected device. Like it's got to mean everything is connected all the time. I, 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 that's, that's all that can mean, right? Okay, so now stay with me. Um, they go on in this research report that was commissioned by Seagate to say, uh, today more than 5 billion consumers interact with data every day. By 2025, that number will be 6 billion or 75% of the population. So by 2025, 75% of the population of planet Earth will be interacting with data through some kind of a connected device. And in 2025, each connected person will have at least one data interaction every 18 seconds. Yeah, I, as you were talking, Chris, I was trying to run that 5,000, say, you know, people either sleeping or off the grid for a total of eight no, hours a day. Be, we won't be sleep. Well, that's, that's, that's the thing. We're not off the grid when we're sleeping. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, the, the, yeah. The, the, the mattress is an IoT device. It's yeah. measuring your temperature, what happens to your left pinky. I don't know what it's doing, right? And it's connected to your iPhone, which won't be a phone. We won't be called, I don't think we'll call it a phone. Right. And so, right. I, look, this says we're connected all the time. <laughs> And, the, and, it's, and, and shit's measuring everything we do. Yeah. That's, that's what this says to me. Chris, what happens when you drop the phone part from the iPhone name? Yeah, well, I, so I don't know. So let me keep going. Okay, so that's been swizzling around in my head like, a, like crazy for the last few weeks. And then this happens. Uh, this dear friend of mine and his uh, spectacular wife, who I haven't seen for, I don't know, a while, over a year. Uh, they live in London and they come for a visit. And I'm stoked to see them. I, I adore these people. And of course, I knew them before they were married and therefore I knew them before they had kids and they have two kids and their two kids are pretty great. A, a boy and a girl. And I don't know how old they are. You know, I, I can't tell, but like 11 and 12, yeah. 12 and 13, I, maybe 14, but I doubt it in there. Okay. The boy's the younger of the two. <clears throat> okay, so they're visiting us in Santa Cruz, California. We're seeing them twice for dinner and then for brunch the next day, and then they're out of here, right? So, so they come over and we think, okay, well, what would be cool? Well, we're lucky enough to live near the ocean, and um, my wife sets up this whole thing where we're going to have dinner on the beach, and we're going to have a fire, and we're going to have, you know, weenies and um, s'mores and shit, and like, it's Spectacular, Perfect. right? Perfect. Yeah. Guess what the kids are doing? The whole time. The whole time. So you live in London, nowhere near the ocean. Uh, I believe it was the kids' first time in California. This is not an experience that you're going to get anytime soon again. And I, it might very well have been the first time they ever had a beach fire dinner on the ocean. I'm pretty positive it was okay and they are not present yeah completely yeah. and so here's the aha or at least the aha that i got from that and i sort of was rubbing the two of them uh non-stop about it um but the aha that i got in rubbing the two of them non-stop about it is um 
if you're under the age of 40, chances are, A, you're completely integrated into the machines. And B, and this is the real mind blower for me, your digital life is more important to you than your physical life. And think about this, um, with roughly uh, half the marriages uh, happening in the US originating from um, the digital dating. Well, if you're a single person today, you know, in the old days you used to say, you gotta have some game, right? You wanna meet, you wanna meet ladies? You gotta have a little bit of game. You gotta pick up your game here, Jimmy, right? And all of us as men have experienced lack of game and the humiliation that comes with that. And it uh, drives us to figure out whatever the fuck game means and, and get good at at least not drooling on yourself when you go talk to a woman, right? Well, today, of course, we don't do any of that. You got to have digital game if you want to meet a significant okay. other, whether it's for a weekend or a lifetime, right? And if your digital game sucks, you greatly diminish the likelihood that you're going to find somebody to hang out with. I'll put it nicely. Uh, and so, and so that's a, that's a great indicator of, you know what? I think maybe if you're single today, your digital ability is more important in terms of uh, what, what is required to uh, find it, uh, a mate than your physical at least on the front end, it's probably more important today. And, and, and so I, I get to go back to these kids, there you are watching the sunset on the Pacific coast, yeah. on the beach with a fire, roasting weenies and, and, and s'mores and not like the shitty s'mores, but like <laughs> the really good ones, right? And you're on your, quote unquote phone. The truth is you're on your supercomputer. That's what you're on. Yeah. yeah. Well, Chris, from the perspective of somebody on the other side of 40, so when we say things like, why do you have your head stuck in that thing all day long? Why don't you get out and experience the world? Their answer in some ways, I am. I am. I'm, a, I'm as deeply engaged in the world as, as anybody could be. That is, uh, I think, you said a few minutes ago, the Luddites are always wrong. I don't want to be a Luddite, but there's some about that, that whether I don't understand the new world deeply enough or intimately enough or appropriately, I don't know. But so is there, is there a, is there a middle ground on this? Well, look, if you look at the IDC numbers, I, it just says they're not, there isn't going to be a middle ground really. Cause I mean, if you say, uh, 6 billion connected people by 2015 or 75% of the world's population. So 75% of the world will be integrated with the machines by 2025. And to the aha around my friend's visit, um, you're right. And they're right. When they say, no, no, I am engaged with the world. They're right. They're their digital world is more important to them than their physical world. Their physical, like for us, the digital world is a place we visit, and, but the physical world is where we live. 
for them, the digital world is where they live and a physical place, is, <laughs> their physical life is where they visit. That's where they charge their supercomputer. Yeah, look, here's another one. Here's another indicator. This one blows me away. So I, I've been tracking the esports industry ever since I sat down over dinner with a CIO of a major corporation who told me that his kid, who he was afraid was not going to do very well because he sort of did okay in school, but not great, was spending way too much time uh, playing video games and it was making him crazy for the entirety of the kid's childhood. And then this happened. The kid got a full ride academic scholarship to like a real college. <laughs> you know, not, not MIT or Yale or whatever, but like, I don't know, like not, you know, nose picking communitycollege.com, like a real place. Yeah. And I said, what? what? And that was when I discovered that colleges give out scholarships to, and I'm going to use the term they use. You ready for this? Esports athlete. Right. And I think yeah. you and I have talked yeah. a little bit about this. Yeah. And so I dug up some homework. Uh, 400 million viewers worldwide watched esports in 2018. The media rights to those, uh, those events were over 180 million. Total esports revenue in 2018 was uh, 869 million, and it's forecasted to more than triple by 2022, reaching just a hair under 3 billion according to the idiots over at Goldman Sachs. <laughs> you know, they're not exactly dumb over there at Goldman Sachs, right? right? So, right. so, and then I did a little homework further to find out that there are over 115, I think is the number. Uh, let me make sure I get this right. I think it's 115 major colleges now in the United States that are offering um, esports scholarships. And so what's that telling us? Digital sports are on the way to becoming as important as, quote, real sports. Yeah. I, uh, should I yeah, have 115 colleges. But that they call them sports and athletes. They call them uh, esports athletes. Yeah. And you ready for this? Uh, Nike, Adidas, and Puma are sponsoring esports leagues and/or athletes themselves. Last year, Nike signed the first ever, its first ever endorsement deal with a. Um, I, I believe you're going to have to excuse me because this is not my world. I believe, yeah, he is a Chinese uh, esports legend in China's League of Legends. That's how you know they're legends. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I won't say his name because it it'll, won't be pretty, but uh, he is a League of Legends player for a team called Royal Never Give Up. And the partnership is to promote LeBron James's new documentary, Shut Up and Dribble, Dribble, Dribble. Yeah, that's me, Shut Up and Dribble, <laughs> um, which covers the intersection of sports and social issues. Anyway, what's my point? Esports on fire. Esports athletes signed by Nike. Esports league signed by Nike, Puma, and Adidas. The digital world is a very real place. These they call them athletes. <laughs> Chris, I I uh, 
you got my head spinning around. Uh, I got to put the duct tape on it so that when it explodes, uh, it won't be so hard for me to put all the pieces back together. But um, I thought about this survey that the NFL, because I'm grasping for something that allows me to get back on, uh, you know, tangible ground where I don't feel so um, either outdated or just uh, wondering where the hell this world's going with some of those things you talk about. I think it was three, three and a half years ago, the NFL did a big survey of all season ticket holders across all the teams because they wanted to get something that wasn't just localized to one team or another. And one of the questions was for season ticket holders, what would make the experience better for you? And overwhelmingly, the top two answers were, these are for people going to the stadiums. They wanted more TVs in the stadiums and they wanted better Wi-Fi. So yeah, even so when we're in the stadium, we don't have to be in the state. Look, me and my brother-in-laws last weekend, we went to Levi's Stadium. What a piece of shit that place is. Unbelievable, terrible. They get an F, but that's a different conversation. To see the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones, Bob. Mick Jagger, 76. And here, I took one picture before they came on. I didn't touch my phone. I didn't record one iota of it on my phone. I recorded all of it here, right? Yeah. I wanted to be with the Stones for what you gotta believe is gonna be the last time. And they were so good. Here's my aha. The Rolling Stones are not a legendary rock band. The Rolling Stones are rock and roll. It was unbelievable. And you guessed it. What were people doing? Yeah. Yeah. You're watching the Rolling Stones, man, and you're on your phone texting your, you know, sister or whatever. What are you doing? They're, they're playing sympathy for the devil. Put down your phone. Sympathy for the devil. Please allow me to introduce myself. Yeah. Pay attention. I think there's a line in there. Put down your phone. Yeah, like what do you have to do to pay attention? Chris, as we, uh, that, you know, again, I'm going to, I got to work hard. So when we talk next, I'm going to find the uplifting uh, connections on this. No, but I'm I don't know hard. that it's, you know, look, it does I, feel I, know what down, you mean. I just don't it, understand it. And the I, aha I, is our digital life is as important as our physical life. And I think, and I don't, you know, I just drew the line at 40. If you're under some age, your digital life is your primary life. Certainly if you're 13, your digital life, you know, yeah, I, I like, look, I'll admit it. I hear the term online bullying and I'm like, really? Really? That's where we're at now? Like jo the George Carlin in my head yeah. starts going off, right? Uh, and, and there's a big part of me that still feels that way. But the aha now is, well, wait a minute. If your digital life is your primary life and your physical life is your accessory to your digital life and in the digital world, bad things are happening to you, or what you perceive to be bad things are happening to you, then, then maybe, then maybe I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. All right. As always, Chris, you've given us lots and lots of big things to think about, good perspectives on this. And again, I don't want it to be, uh, 
I think all this stuff can be very wonderful. What I don't get is how do I think about this? How do I, how do I try to look at it? Because um, a few years ago, uh, I was at a thing in Singapore with one of my friends from Oracle. We were speaking at some Oracle event there. And it's, uh, Doug Caring, he's in charge of uh, business development, M&A over there. And we were up on top of that Millennium Hotel, you know, the, the one in Singapore with the, the Millennium Sands, maybe with the three towers and the crazy thing on top. So we're 60 stories up on one of the most interesting pieces of architecture in the world. The ocean's over here, the city's over there. And there were so many people around, Chris, I mean, dozens of people with the selfie sticks and the phone on the end. And he just looked up, I remember Doug looked up and he said, I wonder if they ever actually see where they are outside of through the lens of the phone. So I, I don't want to start sounding like an old grump or grouch. If that's how people want to do it, that's great. I probably need to adapt my thinking and understand this thing that for those whose digital life is more real and more important than the other one, I can disagree with it or something, but I got to understand that's how it is. That's how I mean, it is. And you it's get something that you say that I was at this very ding dong um, hotel recently and you know, they, now they all have these outdoor, outdoor patios and pools yeah. and all this super ding dong outdoor stuff. Anyway. So we were sitting having drinks with friends at the top of this ding dong hotel and their outdoor patio and stuff. And there were these two gals there and hard to know how old they were, but you know, one of them was a little younger. One of them was a little older, but so maybe one in their twenties and one in their thirties or maybe 40, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, we sat there for an hour the entire time, Bob, the entire time. <laughs> all they did was take photos of themselves. And the weirdest part was, it, it wasn't me taking a picture of you and you taking a picture of me. It was, I watch you take a picture of you. And then when you're done at uh, that angle, then I get to the same place. And then I take pictures of me while you watch me take pictures of me. And, you know, it was sunset and it was beautiful. And so they just did this at every vantage point around this outdoor that you could imagine. And it was it was it was a stunner. I mean, it was hypnotizing. Yeah. Well, well, there's a there's a there's a new world upon us, and some of the stuff's going to be great. Maybe some uh, not always so wonderful. But Chris, fantastic stuff. Just real quick, you know, your thing of um, Nike acquiring this data science company, Chase, where AI copy uh, AI copywriting's outperforming humans. You know, where do you go with that? And this IDC thing of uh, Oh my God, what 5,000 engagements a day with intelligent devices. All right, so lace them up tight. It's a- Lace them up tight. And it's, you know, this is how I'm trying to think about it. So um, when the first tools were made, you know, the first hammer gets made, the first saw gets invented. Well, you could use the saw to help you build a home for your family and keep everybody protected and help build your neighborhood and make life better for people. Or you could saw your head off or you could saw <laughs> your neighbor's head off, right? Um, same thing when the fork was invented, you know, it's a, a more wonderful, uh, cleanly, uh, maybe more polite way to get food to your face or you could use it to stick it in your eye. And so, I just hope that we understand these are, you know, the, the evolution and innovation of human tools has been going on since pretty much the beginning. Yeah. 
and let's just not stick the fork in our eye. <laughs> All right. There's the headline. There's the headline. Professor Lockhead, it's always a tremendous pleasure. Thank you so much for being with us again. Thank you, Senator. Great, folks. Thanks to all of you. Um, the incomparable Chris Lockhead, there is no AI or any other type of technology that's going to displace him. So I promise you he's going to be back next month. And it is a pleasure to have you. So long, everybody. Thanks for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live.